Now for our second message today. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, A Good Work. Good afternoon, everyone. Got some uh, more handouts for you, so you can keep up, so I can keep up. Glad to see there's some water up here. I plan to be here for a while. Pardon me for the, uh, a sip, though. A good work. Every servant, every man is given a talent to work with. And sometimes we don't know exactly what that talent might be or what that gift might be or what it is we're supposed to be doing. So with these gifts that we have, with these talents that we have, we're to profit by them. So what is our work? What are we supposed to be doing? And what will happen to those who do not care and let their gift go. In the book of Mark chapter 14 uh, verses 3 through 9 uh, we see where in uh, Christ being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he sat at meat or at table there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard very precious and she broke the box and poured it on his head and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Because it was, it was a costly uh, flask of, anoint, of ointment or oil worth a year's income for uh, the rural farmer. I don't know exactly what 300 pence might equal to, but somewhere maybe around a penny or more. Uh, but anyway... Their reasoning was, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And so they murmured against her because it was expensive ointment, that, uh, which over time, and if it was saved, it would uh, increase in value. So uh, Jesus said to them all, he said, let her alone. Why trouble you her? She has wrought a good work on me for you have the poor with you always and whensoever you will you may do them good and you can help them anytime that you want but me you have not always she has done what she could she is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying verily I say unto you wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world this also that she has done shall be spoken of as a memorial of her. So don't upset her. She's done something good for me, he's, he's telling them. And Christ commended her work out of honor toward him. And those who honor him are bound to receive from him honor 
also. You know, that, that's good news. There's that, that good news coming behind uh, her work. So she gave all she could. All she had worked for and earned was poured out in this costly flask of oil. What if we had a costly flask of ointment and we had so much invested in it? How would we spend it? How would we use it? So we see how this, this woman honored Christ by all she could give. In John chapter 9 and in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 5. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Um, before we go on to the other uh, scriptures, like in verse 3, uh, as a side, it was believed that all suffering was a punishment for sin. And from that, in Psalm 51, 5, you want to turn over there, it says in one brief uh, verse, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So this was the reason why they thought that uh, punishment was for some sin. But when you look at the verse, this just means that all who are born are made subject to sin. It's the carnal nature that is within us, in all of us, that can bring about sin if, if we uh, let it. Even, you know, the mother and the father uh, that uh, came together to have a child. So, it's the carnal nature that is in us. Sickness is not necessarily a punishment for sin, but it does remind us of how weak we are at times. How subject to our frailties we are. You remember the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7? He said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He said he delights in the law of God after the inward man. But he sees another law. He saw another law in his members warring against the law of his mind, of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he says, O wretched man that I am, who can save me? Who shall deliver me from this body of, uh, uh, body of this death? And so he gives us the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So every person from you know, time to time will realize how subject we are to our own carnal human nature that can lead us to sin and you know every now and then we have some old sin that might crop up now and then we might step out of line because there are always things in life as we go along in life things to overcome which are revealed to us through God's word and it's only through Jesus Christ who strengthens us that we can uh, overcome all things uh, now back to uh, John chapter 9 verse 3 Jesus answered, he said to them, Neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So Jesus was clear in telling his disciples that no sin, either on the part of the parents or the blind uh, man, was the cause for this man being blind. 
They weren't seen as sinners. But, you know, the implication is that they were righteous before God and obedient and faithful and enduring the afflictions that was, that they, that was in their life. So we see that it was so the purpose. The works of God should be made manifest in him. Verse 4, he said, Christ said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So that was nearly two centuries ago when Jesus was sent to preach repentance and to manifest the miracles that uh, God had him perform to prove his messiahship. I want to read some more here in John. John chapter 9. And begin down in verse 9. No, uh, verse uh, 6. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. So here was this blind man and had clay, had, was told to go wash, had clay uh, rubbed in his eyes, and then he came away seen. He was acting on faith. There was a work of faith going on and it was a, a good work that he did but the neighbors therefore verse 8 and they which before him had seen him that he was blind said is not this he that sat and begged and some said this is he and others said well he is like him he looks like him but he said he told them he said I, I'm he this is, this is me I'm the one who was blind and therefore said they unto him how were your eyes uh, opened he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. I don't know where. And they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see, I, I see now. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he didn't keep the Sabbath. He keepeth not the Sabbath day. And others said, well, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So they said unto the blind man again, what say you of him that he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. They had to have it verified. They had to see about... Uh, see his parents, see if he really was blind. 
And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who say he was born blind? How does he now see? And so they keep on asking and, and, and talking to the man, trying to get uh, their story straight, and, but yet they were not believing that this blind man was able to see again, for he had been blind from birth. Then again, in verse 24, drop down to verse 24, Again, they, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. Where, uh, let's see. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. They were wanting him to praise, you know, God, because we know that this man is a sinner. But he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that where I was blind, now I see. That's all he needs, needed to know. Then said they to him again, What did he to you? How opened he your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Wherefore would you hear it again? Why, you, why do you want to hear it again? Is it because you want to be his disciples too? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple. But we are Moses' disciples. So they did not believe he, he was uh, God's son that was sent. We know that God spoke, spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know from whence he is come. So we see that this work that Jesus did was to perform a miracle. And so that this blind man could see. But at the same time, the Pharisees, in their own spiritual way, they could not see because of their spiritual blindness their their minds were just opposed to Jesus being the son of God read the rest of that but we know as I said earlier that it was nearly two centuries ago that Jesus was walking the face of the earth preaching repentance preaching about the kingdom of God doing miracles that uh, showed that he was who he said he was the son of God and he also chose along the way 12 men to be his disciples, to be his apostles, and to witness and to take down everything uh, that they saw so that they could put it in this book that we have before us. And then he commissioned them to carry on the work of the gospel, preaching repentance, baptizing, and so on. But when Jesus returned to heaven, his disciples should then become the light of the world. But as long as Jesus was in the world, he was the light of the world. So we read from the word of God that there is a work that is left to believers to do while it is day. Because, you know, when the night comes, you can't see clearly. There are things going on that, uh, that is uh, darkening the minds uh, of many. So what is our part? What work have we been given to do? So as Jesus said, there will be a time of darkness that it will come when no man can work. In the book of Mark, chapter 13, uh, verse 7. When you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. Don't be troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the gospel. This gospel must first be preached, published among all nations. So as you look at today's world news, you know, there's, there's a talk about a possibility of, uh, of devastating nuclear war. And if you were those people that are in Guam and you get this uh, handbill or this handout that tells you what to do, how, you know, back in the, uh, was it back in the uh, 60s when uh, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis and there was the potential for nuclear war. So uh, I guess we shouldn't worry that much because we're going to hear these things anyway. But the end is not yet what, what uh, Christ says. Remembering back to that time, I was a teenager. I was uh, 13 or 14 years old, maybe 15. I don't remember. But uh, I went with my cousin to a place here. Uh, he had an aunt that uh, lived here uh, close to the Arkansas River. He wanted me to go with him, but along the way he would ask, do you think we're going to have war tomorrow? And uh, I really wasn't that worried, but then everybody was talking about, you know, you got to duck and cover and, and do all those things. But fortunately, you know, nothing came of that. So we don't know from one day or one week or one month or one year to the next what's going to be in regards to war, nations against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Those have always been ever since the beginning of time. And we see in verse 10 that the gospel must first be published among all nations. That's, you know, the good news of the kingdom uh, of, of heaven. Let's drop down to verse 14. When you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that reads understands, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. That will be a time of, you know, you just got to get out. And if you're in Judea, you know, uh, you could go to the mountains, I suppose. And, you know, God is able to protect wherever you go because the way things are, uh, there's, there are things in orbit. There are, are drones that can spot you out wherever you are. There are thermal uh, heating detectors that can detect where, you know, the body of a, of a person. And you would think, well, what good would it be to go to the mountains? But then again, we have this directive, flee to the mountains. And there we would suppose that God would protect. And he would make it so that we are not uh, discovered. And so we have to do some things. Like Noah built the ark, we have to prepare and, you know, just be ready to be watching. Verse 18 and pray you that your flight be not in the winter. We know if it were in the winter, because we've experienced cold, that it is just really not good to be outdoors because you would freeze, you know, things away. Things would just, it would just freeze. It's just not a pleasant thing to be out in cold weather. And then it says, 
also that we are pray that our flight be not on the Sabbath day. So there's a lot of something that we include in our prayers. And I know that when I pray, I, I have good reason not to want to take flight in the winter. And then I always have to include, well, need on the Sabbath day. And I'm still not really clear as, as to why. But that's not part of the sermon. Pray, uh, for in those days shall be affliction, such as, not, such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created and to this time neither shall be. Verse 24, in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. So Jesus said all these things, and we can count on them, you know, uh, to be true, all of them to be true. What these scriptures remind us is that we must be sober, continue to be sober and awake and not let these things happen upon us as a surprise, but to be ready. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, Learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Verse 33, when you shall see all these things come to pass, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verse 34, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass pass away but of that day and that hour knoweth no man no not the angels which are in heaven neither the son but the father so next uh, book Mark chapter 13 verse 33 take you heed watch and pray for you know not when the time is. So we have to be, be heads up. It's uh, this son of man, where, uh, verse 34, for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. A porter is... Is, is like a doorkeeper and so every man and every woman and every child has has this uh, call to watch so that things don't enter into their mind that can get past their guarded door but to watch so that they are able to decide what you know which is right which is wrong because there's so many things out in the world that can sneak past you and we're to be like doorkeepers for the household. Uh, verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for you don't know when the master of the house comes at even, in the evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, 
I say unto all, watch. So we have this warning to take heed even to the, the present times that we live in. Matthew 25. What else has been given uh, to every man, to every person? Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, that, <coughs> verse 16, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two he also gained two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of hosts, that, those servants, came and reckoned with them. So he that had received five talents said, uh, he came and he brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents and I've gained five more. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also that re received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of the, of the Lord. So we come to that part where we see in verse 24 that he which had received just one talent, one talent came. And he said, Lord, I knew you that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. So we see his excuse that in verse 25 that he was afraid and he went and hid the talent in the earth. And so, lo, there you have, have what is yours. The talent is there. I've kept it safe in the earth. Everything you gave me is right there. And he didn't uh, cre uh, make any interest on it. But when you look at him saying that he was afraid of, of his Lord, it seems like he would have done what he was supposed to if he was afraid uh, of his Lord. But by doing this, what he showed was that he just didn't care. He didn't try. For all the things that he was given, he did not try. So we look into our own life, and we look at some of the gifts that some of us have. We don't all have the same gifts. Some have more love than others. Some have more faith than others. Some have more abilities than others. But we are expected to, uh, to increase those things. Remember, uh, it says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so in verse 26, his Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You ought therefore to have put my money to the money exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. So this verse shows that those called servants, that every man to whom a talent uh, is given, even the smallest talent, is to improve upon it. And so the instructions he gave 
Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which has ten talents. Now these talents refer to a, a sum of money. But we can also see these as spiritual gifts, which include the abilities of you know, both mind and, and the means with which to help the work of God. Verse 29, unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be, shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast you, the unprofitable servant, into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you know, that is, uh, that is uh, something that we don't want to uh, come into. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10 he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. You know, he cuts it away so that you know, it doesn't decay the rest of the, the vine. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Because when you prune you know, a, a vine or, or, or a tree or brush you try to cut those parts that aren't going to rub against each other and you want to expose uh, the branches to the sunlight more so you cut some here and you cut some there in order that it will grow into a more symmetrical type bush producing fruit producing more fruit so we're called to bear fruit and the fruit that we bear sometimes is because we have to endure certain trials or troubles like it tests our faith and faith is a fruit so our relationship with God and Christ is expressed in in this uh, this analogy of, of the vine of the grapevine verse 3 now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you you know when we put our hearts and our minds love and goodwill and faith and hope and obedience to God we are cleansed we are on the way to producing fruit verse 4 abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can you except you abide in me essentially you know remain in Christ and he will remain in us so we must let Christ work in us by applying his word following his, his example and then we can do his work and do those things that are expected of us verse 5 I am the vine you are the branches he that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Galatians chapter 6, 
verse 4 through 10. He says, let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. So our labor is our own. Working out, you know, our own salvation. This word burden is, is like a load. It come comes from the Greek called, uh, spelled P-O-R-T-I-O-P-H-O-R-T-I-O-N, portion. And it's like the, uh, the backpack that soldiers carry on, on their backs while on duty. So we have to bear those things that we, you know, put into that sack or that's been put into the sack uh, for us. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Being human, you know, having that uh, human nature, we sometimes do become a little weary, perhaps slothful, lazy, not doing uh, the things that we should do. But this is just encouraging words. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we plant, you know, that seed of faith, the seed, that, uh, the gifts that we have, and do things to it that will make it grow. So as we have opportunity, therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, when we're all in close closeness to each other, uh, you know, as fellow members, we become aware of each other's trials, each other's problems, and so we must see to doing them good. The household of faith, you know, is, this, is, this is the church in which we, uh, it's where we, who are believers, pray and believe in prayer. It's where we meet because in this world it's easy to get discouraged. In the book of James, chapter 1, 22, you might write that down because I do not have that on the handout, but I like to read this. James, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty uh, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself 
separated from the world. So we must be doers of the word, uh, the imprinted word, not just listeners. And there are many ways in which, you know, uh, one can visit the sick or those in need. Today it's pretty quick to take a car and go a long distance or an airplane, get there fast. And it's just as easy to also send, you know, uh, condolences and things by mail. But we see these words written with our own eyes. We'll look at these words like a mirror. But then being a human, we sometimes will you know, go away. We'll forget those things and, and forget that they need to be applied in our life as doers of the word. So <clears throat> we believe in God. We know that God is spirit, that God is love, and that he is light, that he is self-existent that he is the eternal, and we also have God's spirit that helps us to do what we need to do. Philippians chapter 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, or the overseers and deacons. Grace be unto you, and the grace is God's favor. Grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you, of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So we see that there is a work long as we live we have a work to do upon ourselves we have all of those fruits that we uh, need to enlarge upon for example patience you know one of my I think one of my shortcomings that long suffering and endurance those things need to be uh, uh, improved more love more self-control more dedication more blessing rather than just thinking well you know this is not the way I want to do it it's just it's just too hard for me it's hard work but there is blessings that come from doing the hard work and planting those seeds that that fruit that God wants us to improve on so Jesus came to preach repentance and he also came to preach about the coming kingdom of God which is what we are looking to, to work in working out our salvation toward. So now, he was the light of the world, but now 
Our work is to carry on that light and let it shine in whatever way that we, uh, that we can, whatever way is possible. These last few points, we must live in the light of God's word. We must not be found sleeping and unprofitable. We must be working. We must increase in the gifts we've been given. We must continue to watch, to beware of the time, and to make our calling and election sure. We must be faithful servants. We must look to Christ as our strength and example. Let's close with the book of Hebrews there. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Verse 20, we have this assurance. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. To do his will. You know, not to do our will or go off on some tangent that, you know, just, it just takes you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Work, uh, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it.